Welcome to this episode of the Trainer Feed. Uh, we are your host. I am Angel Sanchez. Over here, we got Jacques Delager and David Bravo. Your. Uh, our special guest today is Guillermo Dominguez. He is a manager at Equinox in Chicago. He shortly moved to Chicago um, after we had met him. Um, so it was sad to see him go, but it is great to have him on this podcast. So without further ado, we will let him in the room. Here is Guillermo Dominguez. Here he is. Hey, guys. Oh, What's up, shit. G? See you, guys. Oh, snap. What's How you get? doing? How's the little guy? Doing well. Uh, he's passed out behind the couch. He's pretty drugged up. Nice. <laughs> He's recovering. Uh, but everything is okay. I know that it was kind of like back and forth. I hope. Yeah, I was. So I was tr trying to get him in as soon as I, as I could today because he mm -hmm. ate one of his toys yesterday. And what did he eat? He what, ate what, like, what? It was like this stupid little like bunny that's like a squeaky <laughs> toy that uh, Gina got him. <laughs> and <laughs> so stupid. Uh, and then he was just like constipated all night and throwing up and stuff like that. So, um, so they called us from like the daycare that we take him and they're saying that he was throwing up, he wasn't feeling good. So we took him to the vet for a quick check and it turns out like the toy was clogged up in his stomach and they gave us something to give him. And she said, if he's not able to push it out, they wouldn't have to cut him open. So he didn't push it out. Um, but then they gave him this dosage of whatever it was some sort of laxative again and then it actually came out um but it took forever so you still have it my, my apologies <laughs> i still want to explain that over text because it just could have come out wrong but did you keep the toy uh, why were you asking great question <laughs> I, yeah here it is i throw that I, shit away I man i did I did. <laughs> yeah, he's going to send it to you in the mail, David. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Send it to David. David will wear doesn't look like a bunny anymore. <laughs> David will wear around his neck. <laughs> Good man, lucky charm. Yeah, so, it, was, it was just so it was just so annoying. But, but uh, he's good now. He's, little, he's, a, he's like three, but he still behaves like a puppy. He's like a little troublemaker. Yeah. But before Angel drops in, I remember, I think this was the last time uh, that uh, me, you, Alex, and Gino hung out, and we were talking about Apollo. Uh -huh. And you was because I think they were there. He's a little bit older than Alfie, uh -huh. and uh, we're saying, "How is it having him?" And weren't you telling me that he would lock the door or turn the oven or the gas on or something, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, we legit used to have child locks because he would get into he would like open the fridge, uh, turn the stove on. Uh, once, oh, uh, once uh, uh, the building manager called me and he was pissed off because he's like, yo, your dog is like running up and down the hallway. It's like, what? So I get home to, to, I get, I get to my building and I, I get to my floor and he was like, so what turns out is that he, he unlocked the door with his paw and he was just doing laps, just running like a maniac down the hallway. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Good, good times. But <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's come a long way. He doesn't do those things anymore. So that's good. Um, we still have to gate him though, because, of, because he's still crazy, but it's, uh, it's, it's progress, you know? Okay. 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 All right. So <laughs> changing gears. Hello, icebreaker. <laughs> Is that, yeah. I know Jacques can go on and on with the dog question, <laughs> preparing for Alfie. 
Luck, fortunately enough, Alfie's not that tall that he can't grab any handles. Because if he oh, would, yeah. it would be a wrap. It's yeah, that's then you have to get child locks. It's they're lifesavers. It works. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about like your fitness history and your career. Um, so and also your work ethic in regards to you managing and your management style. I remember when you first rolled into 76 Street, you had the eye patch. Uh, you bought your own barbell and everybody was like, oh man, this is our new manager. It's a wrap. It's over. Um, so yeah. And then you showed up like every day, like 6am and till closing. I don't even remember really, uh, when you left. Cause I wasn't there, but, uh, like, how do you, how do you manage all that? How do you stay focused and continue to, uh, have that work ethic? Where was that instilled in your life? And, um, like, how does that translate to today? Uh, that that's that's a really good question. Uh, it's um, I'm just kind of laughing uh, about the iPad eye patch because uh, uh, in my interview, actually, when I interviewed with actually Matt Pinder and Francine uh, for to to be your fitness manager, uh, on the way back from that interview, that's when I got my eye poked, and I was like, oh shit, you know, first day work, first day working, and I come in with a fucking eye patch. Uh, I did appreciate that none of you guys asked me what happened so that was that was really nice uh but i thought you were born uh, like that what time <laughs> i thought i was born like that yeah <laughs> but um but to answer your question i think uh, a lot of it comes from um just passion i i love the fitness community um i love coaching coaching is is my passion um i love learning from uh, from every one of you guys and for me to to get that role, especially at 76th Street, being the first um, Equinox uh, that was ever built, it was it was such a privilege privilege. And just uh, to learn about you guys before I even got started, I was so excited that uh, that it, I just I didn't I didn't really look at the clock. You know that the time flew with you guys. You guys made it really special and awesome for me. Um, and you guys paved the way. You know after after 76th Street. I was fortunate to go to other clubs and, and learn from other trainers and get to know great people, you know, and, and, and that's, uh, and that's something that I really appreciate about my role and I'm very thankful for. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, it was a privilege to have you as our manager because we soon then learned that you weren't as uh, mean as you looked with the eye patch. Uh, you're a pretty friendly guy. Um, and I, I know your age because Sam, I remember Sam was like, yeah, he's like, you know, our age is down the third. I know it was like a hidden thing because I think he was, <laughs> it looked like because of the eye patch, because of the barbell and all that stuff, you and how you hold yourself and, you know, how strict you are with like your time, it seemed like you were well beyond your years. And then when I realized like we're born in the same year, I was like, wait, what? Like this, this kid is as old as me, right? It went from like this grown ass man to like, oh, this kid is as old as me. Um, but nah, your work ethic is um, unmatched. And even, you know, I, we, Jock and I have moved to sports, Equinox Sports Club, but um, at 76th Street, there was like nobody who's like matching that, like going day in, day out, seven days a week, even on their days off, um, even holidays, all that stuff, just grinding, grinding through. So I think that it was impactful it. for us. It was impactful for us. You know, because if that that I feel like is one of those leadership traits where like you respect the leader, you respect the manager that's going to be there day in, day out and get stuff done. Um, and you have really no excuse. Right. Because if if the leader is there, then what else are you going to what are you going to cry about? Right. 
and, and the awesome thing too, getting started with you guys, and I appreciate you saying that, is that you guys, you guys were, were grinders, every one of you, like day in, day out. And, and, and um, you know, I was also very fortunate to work alongside the great leadership with uh, Francine and Matt Pinder, Sam, as you guys mentioned, um, like a lot of good people, you know, and, and you just fit off of everyone. You know, I was, I was fitting off of, from you guys as much as I was fitting off from uh, my supervisors and it was just, I don't know. I, I, it, right now I look at, I look back at it and it's such a blur, but it was, it was so much fun. It was, it was, it was just so much fun. And you, and you guys motivated me to, to push harder every single day. So, so I, I think, I think it was, uh, it was a win-win, you know, us fitting off of each other. So, but that's, those are great memories for bringing back, uh, Angel. Yeah. And I wanted to go a little bit deeper into that because, um, our group was a very diverse team, right? You had like people who were just like, uh, people, I was going to say people, people, but, uh, people who were very excited to be around people and grabbed energy from the room, no matter where they were at. And you had people who were kind of like low key and just wanted to do their own thing. Um, and you managed all of the, those personalities, all of those, um, kind of characteristics. Uh, and I was going to ask, what are some lessons that you learned throughout your leadership process, even like not only 76th street, but throughout the other clubs that you've been through, um, and you've been to. Um, well, that's that's a great question. So there, there's a lot of good. Uh, uh, I think I think a lot of the lessons that I learned, uh, big lesson that I learned throughout it was just uh, having an open mind and clear 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 the shit out of your brain because, um, uh, for for instance, uh, and this is something actually I think Ote uh, told me this once. David Ote, I, I know you guys worked with him too. Mm. He said, "Hey, he was like, hey, gee, look." I know, I know the trainer did not, you know, did not meet the expectations. Uh, could have been lateness, it could have been program compliance, whatever. But he was saying like they don't, they don't come to work every day wanting to be a bad trainer. They don't come to work every day not wanting to do those things. So you need to have an open mind, listen, understand where they're coming from, so then you can meet them where they're at. And I thought that was such a good lesson for me, uh, just because. Uh, you know, I was, like I said, I was fortunate to start out with, with you guys and every one of you guys are such hard workers that for me, it was easy, to be honest. I, I, just, I just fed off and I was working hard. But as, as I went through uh, other clubs and met, met other trainers, it wasn't so much that they were not hard workers, but there was other traits that motivated them. Uh, there, was other way, there were other ways or forms of, of learning uh, that they grasped, you know? So I, I had to modify my management style and my leadership style to be more open-minded and just have a more like clear mind. So that was, that was the biggest lesson for me. That's interesting um, that you say that because I think that it's something that we talk about with other coaches in regards to our clients sometimes too, right? Like not everybody is motivated by the same things. Um, so when you get a client to it, to try and adhere to something, there's a reason why they're not, uh, meeting their goals, right? There's a reason why they're not showing up to their sessions on time. There's a reason why they're canceling all the time. And uh, I think that that will allow us, just the perspective gives us patience. There's like that continuum where like the more perspective you have, the more patience you might grow with the person that's sitting across from you. But that seems like a, a great lesson learned. And I, uh, that was from David, David Ote. David, yeah, I remember he, he told me, that, and that's something that carried with me for forever. He said, look, not everyone, not, he, he said, every trainer comes into 
into a meeting with us, they're not coming in expecting to be the worst at their job. So let's make sure that we also set that environment not to, not to present them as the worst at their job, even if they didn't meet the expectation. So, so that was a, a big lesson for me, a big, big lesson for me, because, uh, you know, uh, sports, the sports team was the biggest team I've, I've managed. And I mean, it, it, it did get overwhelming at times, but, but just having that open mind, you know, helped so much, so much because, and like, like you mentioned, Angel, and that translates to clients too, like training clients that we coach every day, just being able to listen to them. Uh, let them set the goals and, and we just show them the path. I think that's uh, that's the best way to look at it. Yeah. Oftentimes we get frustrated um, and caught up in the everyday situations. And sometimes we can be a little bit harsh on our clients because we want them to hit those goals. But you're right. It's about guiding them to that path. And if they stumble, then you pick them up, dust them off and say, all right, we're going to keep going. Um, so that is, uh, those are some great words. I did want to ask another question about mm -hmm. strength training, but I think there's a better question um, somewhere in there. Uh, I remember you had like uh, an experience training with the Huskies football team, I believe. Uh, yeah, the Huskers. Yes. Huskers. Huskers, Huskers. Huskers. Yes. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience in that environment, um, in the strength and conditioning environment? Because we had another guest on that spoke about strength and conditioning environment and working with a team versus working in a commercial gym and some of the differences. So uh, what was that experience like for you? What was your position? What was your role? And uh, how was that? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, it was a really fun experience. So I was, I was uh, interning for the athletic, uh, athletic training team and they placed me, I was very lucky. They, they placed me with a, with a football team. And, and if you all ever go to Nebraska, which I doubt you have any reason to go to Nebraska, uh, you, you'll learn that, football especially college football is is life like people that's they have the number one fan, ba fan base in the country to this day i think that they have been sold out since 1962 uh it's it's insane i think notre dame is number two like i think notre dame's been sold out since 86 but it's uh, it's basically a religion so um when uh when i started to to intern with um with the athletic training team, I actually got to learn a lot about, um, you know, how how players prepare themselves in the off season, in season, and and so on. And uh, one of the things that really um, that I find like has a big difference, you know, working with athletes rather than working with like the everyday per uh, person that works at an office is that uh, for an athlete, that's a full time job. Like they in the off season, they have to. That's kind of how I learned non linear periodization. Off season, we want to get strong and we want to build power. And they have like a good like 12, 16 week program that they have to follow every uh, every week, you know, and they have to be good at it. Um, they uh, at a really early age, um, I, I noticed that like this 18 year olds, 18 to 23 year olds, they learn, you know, the principles of nutrition, uh, the principles of uh, of training, you know, percentages like this uh, week, we're going to squat at this percentage. Uh, one of my limiting factors is time under tension. So in my program, I'm going to have more time under tension for someone else or a different position player. They might need to, uh, they might need to have more power development. So they're going to work more on, on, on more like powerlifting type of, of, of programming. So uh, that's where I really got to learn those principles and, and see it for myself. And you know, if you if you look at this like 18 to 20 year old athletes, 
they're freaks. This is like six foot, they're like six foot three, like linebacker in college, like six foot three, maybe 235, 240 pounds. And they're running 40 yard dashes in like less than five seconds. They're cutting corners. They're, it's, it, they're just incredible athletes. And just seeing, seeing those guys put in that type of work ethic, um, really watch their nutrition, really watch their sleep. It was, it was just, it's just incredible. Um, uh, and that, to me, that was like, the, that was something that really made me passionate about actually strength and conditioning and wanting to become a coach. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, um, the David had like a question in regards to like powerlifting and things like that, but it seems like you derived a lot of that, uh, the passion and, the uh, kind of like learning more about what you're doing to perform at a higher level. Like you learned how that translates for the everyday athlete. I think it's a little bit different when it comes to clients because you have to almost teach them accountability to like eating and uh, habits and goal settings and things like that. Uh, But obviously they're not playing for a championship. So that would be, that would be the difference. I guess that's, that's the biggest difference. I was going to say that's you're spot on. So the, the, yeah, the biggest difference is like these guys learn those habits as like 18 year olds, you know, And, and, and some of them already had those habits in place as 12, 14 year olds, you know, uh, as as opposed when when you work in say with a middle aged client who now has to learn these new habits because they might have uh, a medical issue or something that is a setback in their everyday life that's that's a lot harder. Mm-hmm. It's like if you tell me to go back to college right now and get a degree in law, that's gonna suck. I don't know if I can do it. You know, to be quite honest. Yeah, that's a it, it is a definitely a game changer. Um, but it does prove that uh, playing sports or being involved in sports, even if it's not for you to become the best baseball player or football player in the world, it helps you kind of understand the body. It helps you understand how habits tie into goals and how goals can be achieved through like meaningful progression and things like that. Um, so it does benefit a lot of people. I know I wish that I was involved in more team sports. Unfortunately, it was just more like pickup basketball and all that stuff. Now I think David could dunk on me, so I'm not that great. But uh, I'll let Jacques take barely, it from here. Barely touched the fucking rim, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, too funny. Guillermo, I always um always love being able to reconnect with you. Honestly, f- um, for the purpose of our listeners, whenever anyone asks, um, how are what I like to always remind myself, and I'm always thankful for your your position or your presence at 76th Street because. When you came in, I was at tier two. I was on the floor. I wasn't really, it wasn't, I wasn't motivated, but I don't think I had that. Maybe I was lacking confidence or direction, whatever it was. You came in and then fucking everything changed. So it was like tier three off the floor, tier three plus, and shit just kept rolling and now tier X. So I'm always very grateful for uh, your management at 76th Street, like to this day. So I always like to, to, remind my, to remind you that that was a big, big pivotal role in my career um and on that topic what were some of the most noble adaptations you made from being a coach to then managing coaches oh that's 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 a great question uh uh i think i think with with clients you know it's it's uh when we're coaching clients like we're like angel mentioned like in, in like those habits you know nutrition you know being consistent in the coming into the, to the club and getting the workouts and all that stuff. Um, it, it's a, it's a different focus because you're just, you're focused in their, um, 
you focus a lot on what what they need to achieve in order to uh, to have a better lifestyle or to be able to 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 do something with their kids, you know. And I, I think when um, uh, the, when I became a manager and I started working with other professionals like me, um, I, I think the biggest difference was like I can relate a lot more to my uh, to my trainers, you know. Uh, we share the same passion, the same love for fitness for uh, no matter what you do, you know. Uh, I, I got to learn a lot from my, from David and um, Keith and Diana, a lot about Olympic lifting, how like how hard it can be, like how much, uh, how, how precise you have to be with everything and yet how confident you have to be with every movement you do. You know, it's uh, those, those sort of things that we can geek out and nerd out, nerd out about. I think that's the biggest difference. Um, and then the second thing is the purpose, you know, like, where do we go from here? You know, we're coaches, you know, we're, we're trainers, like we're learning from each other, from one another, but how do we get ourselves to the next level? And in fact, you, you mentioned like, it, it does get to the, the place where you're like, wait a minute, where am I going to go with my career? Mm. What do I want to do next? And, and, th- and those are the things that I, you know, that really motivate me because, because I want to know what you want to do next. I want to know what your next step is. Because as you're telling me those things, that that's also building me up to know, like, okay, you know what, I, this is this is my responsibility. This is where my trainers want to go to. They're just as motivated and passionate about the field as I am, and they're teaching me so much more than I'm teaching them. That I like, I guess, I guess one one similarity that I can bring that to is like, it's like, well, I I know how to guide them to that position, so I wanna I wanna make sure that I do my best way to guide them to that position but um i would say that that uh that characteristic of us being so relatable i think it's makes it so much more different from our everyday clients whose life is not every it's not fitness but mm. you know they have other things that, that, that they focus mostly on you know 100 percent. other things i think on and i think something that was huge that you touched on was asking where the coach wants to go I think it's something I never really thought of uh, from a manager's perspective. Where do you want to see what, where do you want your, um, your career to go to? I think that's a huge point. I think that is a big, a big reason why people were really successful around you. Um, I did want to, this is something I can relate to as well. Tell me how does having a partner in the plies industry influence your style of training or programming? Cause I know a little bit how it is at my end. So I know how you feel with it. That's a, that's a great question. Um, it's a, it's actually really awesome. You know, uh, when, uh, when I started working, when I started, I, th- I guess when, when my wife, Gina, when she introduced me to Pilates, we were still, um, we're still friends, you know, um, at first I, I was like, the hell is this, this shit, you know, like, like this equipment looks pretty funny. Uh, I'm not, it, things just didn't feel right. Things fell out of sync. But, uh, but I, I, I actually learned a lot, quite a bit. You know, I learned a lot about uh, things I'd, I never really worked on, like my feet, like foot strength. And, and even lately, too, in the, especially in the fitness industry, you find out how important foot strength is for you and doing things barefooted. Turns out like he was like a bodybuilder, a gymnast, a dancer, and all the things that he that he incorporates with Pilates is actually great for your body, great for your articulation and your joints, great for uh, your spine health. Um, uh, so that's that's a lot of the things that I've learned 
through Pilates, aside from checking my ego at the door, because I, mm. I suck. You know? <laughs> it, it really, it can be humbling. I think, and as you mentioned, if performers are the ones who are either teaching you or are um, participating in Pilates workouts, mm -hmm. they have, a, I wouldn't say, I don't know if more advanced, but they have a different style of understanding because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. a neutral pelvis in strength training and Pilates can be two different things or they look different. Am I right in saying yes, that? Yes, correct. Right. Correct. So when I was the guinea pig for <laughs> Alex teaching, should be neutral pelvis. And as a trainer mind, you think do one thing, but like, no, no, it's this. So it, 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 there was that element of it as well. That's hard. But I, I agree that I'm glad to hear that. As you said, it helps you keep your ego out the door because even if we're fond of lifting heavy weights or fond of doing intense workouts, or I know you love your animal flow. I remember actually, that's another thing I want to ask. You were always doing these weird, crazy things. And then five years later, lo and behold, I love that shit. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> This guy's this, and then the other thing is he's got the eye patch. He's in this animal flow, and I was like, "Who is this Who the guy? Fuck is this guy? <laughs> Who is this guy?" With the GI Joe FOMO too, camouflage. That's it. It actually matches uh, David's headset. <laughs> oh, you gotta sit over for I David. I remember that. Oh dude. shit! I completely yeah. forgot oh. about that one. Yeah. That's Wait. good. Oh. You you brought down all these. Um, perceptions i had and i was like damn this is, is just so funny man but it's it's so i'm so glad you pointed out that it pilates can be so beneficial and so humbling and i think it's something i've struggled to communicate to clients when they say oh should i do it and i've not teaching pilates i found it hard to say the some of the benefits or really communicate to the ones you're really not easy to convince about it but as soon as someone says oh i've enjoyed it, it was so good oh i think actually i want to say it was um uh, former running back Matt Forte, he was with the Bears for a long Matt time Forte. and he finished nice. in his career of the Jets. Wow. So he, there was an interview of him in his Pilates workout and he was sweating hard and he was, I remember his interview was saying, this is the hardest shit I've ever done. This is the hardest workout ever. And you think, oh, NFL player, he could probably clean or he could probably squat hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And then he's seeing something without, I don't want to sound like I'm belittling Pilates or not, but something with springs and boards moving. Mm -hmm is 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 infinitely possibly more challenging so but uh i want it, it yeah Sorry, and, it's, and it's also so funny because for some exercises in pilates still like the less springs you have that the harder it freaking gets mm. and 100%. and that's and that's the thing it's like man like it goes against anything that we normally do like the you normally yeah the, pa yeah the patterns you recognize thinking oh this is an extra spring this is a progression not always right. the case right exactly uh, exactly we should I was going to say, uh, as a sidebar, we should probably do something as like the trainer feed. We should all do a Pilates class or something like that. Something because I've never done it, but I've only like heard, idea. I've heard like, it's really good for mobility and it's really good for, um, like motor recruitment, like trying to mm -hmm. fire certain muscle fibers and not like turn everything on. Cause generally like when you're powerlifting or whatever, you're firing almost everything, but to mm -hmm. disengage or articulate one joint versus another, I don't know. Yeah, it's they're like, big on recruiting balance for, stability. Yeah. It's it's so it's so like it will definitely challenge a lot your balance and stability for sure. Mm. But uh, yeah, if you guys want to, we could probably have track if you're down. We could have maybe Alex or Gina teach uh, a Pilates class. That would be fun. I'm down. I think it would be cool. I'm yeah, down. Love that idea. I'd suck at it, but I'd be down. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs>
No, Pilates <laughs> is tough. I did. I think I did two Pilates, two or three Pilates classes, and it was the, it was so it was weird just because they were saying, well, you know, do this, but don't do that. And you're like, how? Like, wait, that's that's fucking impossible. And then they're like, you got it, you got it. I said, I'm like, I don't know what I, I just nothing. did. Uh, David, I, I would I would be very curious to see like how you actually like do like in a reformer because it goes against everything that you do in your training every day. Exactly. You, know? you do so much ballistic movement. Now you gotta do so much time under tension. You know? I remember it was like David, it was some something like a bridge, and I did a bridge, and they were like, whoa. whoa, whoa calm down I'm like oh okay what i, I just did a bridge. like they're like no, no no do it slowly do it like this I'm like oh shit okay i think that's that's the biggest thing that makes it tough and the breathing too and breathing you have breathing, yes. breathing things. it's so different from what we and i tell this to, to some uh whenever i train a pilates instructor or whenever i train somebody that does pilates it's like all right well let's not do your pilates breathing here when you're lifting two three hundred pounds Maybe do something else, like, you know, some more Vasava or some, something more that will help you not fuck up your back. But and it's kind right. of hard. You got to like learn, learn to not, I think, retrain it because if somebody wants to keep doing Pilates, it's going to be tough. You don't want to get them out of the habit of doing something a certain way. But trying to add an extra mode of uh, or method of breathing is pretty tough. I agree. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a, that's a great point. I struggle with that at first. It's like, what do you mean I'm sucking my stomach? Is it, does it mean failing? Like, that goes against everything I'm used to doing. What the fuck? Mm. But, but, but I get why when it's, why you're doing that when it's applicable to doing Pilates. Mm-hmm. But uh, up, uh, that, that type of breathing application towards weight training does not transfer. That I, that, I, that I would not try to do, but that could be very confusing for a client. That's, that's such a good point. Yeah. You never want I me. Mean, you never want to load a, a a a flex spine or anything. And you're doing a lot of that stuff in Pilates. Uh, you know, unloaded, great. You know, get that articulation going. But um, I want to ask you, Guillermo, are you still shadow wrestling like in front of a mirror as your warm up? I I am. Yeah. I, am <laughs> I remember you know the first time I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And then I remember you telling me that you had so you had bad knees. And I'm like, damn, you're like, I'm like seriously? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> dude, why. shit. <laughs> <laughs> um question i saw you posted yeah. about a mock lifting meet at your club how how did you guys organize that how oh that? man that was that was that was so much fun so um i'm glad you asked um that was um so myself it was it was myself and the personal training manager of that gold coast location which is a few miles down uh from my location in lincoln park uh, we're both uh, we're both big into powerlifting, and we became uh, close friends because of it. So over quarantine, him and I, um, since our clubs closed back in March, uh, we both connected and we both decided, you know what, let's both come up with a really good powerlifting program to get uh, to get anyone in the club excited that wants to get back into into get into into getting strength. And I thought that was such a genius idea. So we decided to map out um, a 16 week program because him and I were looking for actually for powerlifting mates that we could compete together uh, because of obviously the pandemic and everything going on, there were no meets available. So, so then I thought I was like, look, how about we just do it with trainers in our clubs, both your club and my club. And then we get everyone together for a date to do uh, a friendly competition. Um, 
So we pitched that to some of the trainers in my club and he pitched it to some of the trainers of his club. And we actually had the majority of our trainers training in a 16 week program that we created. And at the conclusion of that program, we all met at my club in Lincoln Park and we had a mock powerlifting competition. And it was, it was just, it was so much fun. And, and that was like one of the things like that I mentioned before, uh, that's, that's why I kind of work every day. Uh, like the passion in everyone's eyes, like uh, just uh, watching uh, like the whole community, you know, together. Um, and us just having so much fun, just acting stupid, getting jacked up before I lit or lifts. And um, a little bit of ammonia inhalants. A little bit there of was ammonia inhalants. There was, there was some of that. Um, it was, thank God there were not too many members at that time watching that. There was, there was a lot of that. I think I did that once. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was when you were working, when you were a manager, but I bought a couple of uh, smelling salts. Cause I think I was getting ready for a, a, a O lifting meet. Oh yeah. And little did I know that for me, at least it didn't help to smell that before a, a clean or a snatch <laughs> because it's very technical. So you kind of like, don't want to be so right. jacked up that you fuck yourself up. But if you're trying to rip the bar from the floor and the heavy deadlift and all for it, right. Keep just, Oh yeah. Do it. Oh, it feels great. Oh, it feels yeah. great. I've, I've, I, the other cool thing about it is like every one of the trainers went up at least by 50 pounds of strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. the 16 weeks the, the, yeah so this, it was it was it was so much fun but but yeah it was uh how yeah, was it, the 16 weeks like did you break it up into two two blocks of eight weeks and then maybe a deload or or yes. how did you guys do it so so the way we did it we did it in uh we did it in, in a four-week block mm-hmm. uh every time we got to the third week we had like an amrep week and our accessory lifts were very low and then by the time we got into the fourth week, that was the deload week. Mm-hmm. Then we started a new block of training. Same thing. Week three, we got into our arm reps. I think week, uh, the first third week was of the first block. Our arm reps were at about 87 and a half percent of our max. Uh, mm-hmm. The second week, they were at 90. The second block, they were at 92 and a half percent of our max. Our third block, they were at 95 percent of the max. And on the fourth block, we just did singles at 90. Uh, it's like a peak week. Yeah, in our peak week for a 98% of our max. Only singles, no arm reps. And then we took a week off of just, you know, maybe like we lift, we, we did few lifts like at 62% for max of that. And yeah. then we went into that comp- into the powerlifting competition. That's cool. That's did, awesome. you, did you have anybody that was new to powerlifting? Because I think something... Mm-hmm. Like a 16-week solid powerlifting program, it'll be tough for, for a newcomer, at least, you know, to get 100%. Especially if they don't know how to do the lifts. So, uh, and this is the part that I really loved about the competition, um, especially when you just brought up, David. It was the fact that we actually kind of got together similar to this in Zoom calls every week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would all discuss, like, Hey, let's like let's go over how how week one uh, how that this upcoming week is gonna pan out for all of us. Um, kind of like in a scale of one to, to ten, where are we at with um, these percentages? Where are we at with these accessory lifts? So what we found was that some of us uh, had different um, opportunities, and some of us had to work on uh, like it was there was some differences. So. We separated a group of guys that needed to work more on their like time under tension type of stuff. 
Um, and then we separated other guys that were having trouble like with lockouts, say maybe block pressing for bench or ping pressing for overhead press or more rack pulls. Like that was my instance. I was having trouble of, um, with lockouts, both of my deadlift and my bench. So then we, we started to formulate training squads based on, based on, what, we're, based on what our opportunities are. Uh, so everyone kind of changed their program a little bit on their accessory work based on what we needed to work on, but uh, the the percentages were were pretty consistent. Okay, um, and that's what kept the newcomers really interested and excited to continue because they were like, "Oh, look!" Uh, you, the, so the program that we all wrote is not like set in stone. Like we can actually change shit. I was like, "Yeah, we can actually change stuff week to week. Like no program is set in stone." Uh, so that was that was that was fun for, for us. Awesome. I mean, if, if uh, that's fuck, that's really cool. It would be great if, if my club would do something like that. Yeah, I'm. I, if you guys want, I'm, I'm happy to share all 16 weeks with you guys. Yeah, no, yeah. pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it was dope. fun. It legit it was an experiment that, like I said, uh, that personal training manager of the Gold Coast location and I thought it was fun since we were going crazy with without lifting like for like six months. So yeah. Because for me, at least, I, I was talking to Keith and I, it's about trying to get an O-lifting meet in, but I'm not trying to go to Lancaster, PA or anywhere like that anytime soon. And, you know, just have loads of people doing stuff with no masks on. Well, that's my own, I mean, that's, that's my own thing. That's for the amateur, right? That's for the amateur? Uh, yeah, in Lancaster. You, have a lot you can of, do two for one, meet and do a bit of tourism. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the numbers are for COVID for the Amish. It's probably, it's probably. Yeah, good. that's a, that's a good up. question. Right, since they are, you know, kind of cut off—not cut off from the world—but Alex has a show there in April, May. So, be interesting. <laughs> I, I'm interested. Like, where are you guys at in, in New York City? What's like the, I guess, the like percentage of uh, um, cases? I don't know. To be completely honest with you, I haven't looked that up. I don't look at it on a daily basis anymore. To either, to be honest, but I think it's. It depends on the borough, depends on the yeah. borough, on the on where it is. Because Staten Island was horrible for a while. Mm. Brooklyn and Queens were fucked up too. I think oh, yeah, they I were leading that, the yeah. pack. Yeah, depending on depending on the the sections, because there was a big issue with with you know some of the religious communities where they mm -hmm. didn't want to really stop meeting up and like you know commuting at really high numbers. So that was what really screwed up the numbers for Brooklyn, let's say parts of Queens and Stein Island is it's, you know, it's its own thing. So they, they mm. also have really high numbers. Um, but from what sense. I heard recently, the mayor mentioned that Stein Island numbers have kind of gone down a little bit. So okay. we'll, well see some improvement. We'll see, see what happens. How was, how was COVID with, with the Chicago club? Yeah. Um, so uh, we, as a city, we, I think we really, we really lucked out. I think we, we lucked out more than any city in the country. So right now we're like at 7% um, and based on the uh, based, based on the city website, we're supposed to go down to 1% by May 31st. Uh, wow. So things are looking really good here in Chicago. Uh, again, I, I don't know how much of it is true, how much of it is not true. It's just what the city website says. Um, I'm, I just choose to believe it, in it because, because uh, I have no choice, but... But, <laughs> to be quite honest. but uh when um the, we opened back in july and when we opened in july we opened at 20 at 33 percent yeah uh we opened with group fitness as well uh the only thing that we didn't open was the showers and the steam rooms and saunas and and pools um 
then everything was working really well. Um, I know my club, we lost about 70% of our business when we, when we opened. So obviously yeah. the morale was not, was not at, at an all time high when we got back in July, but, uh, but everyone was excited. Um, so fast forward to uh, middle of October, uh, we got back about uh, 35% of our business. So at this point we were like doing really good. We had about 65% of our business back. Um, the club, the primetime hours were obvious, you know, we're right at the 33% cap, morning primetime, evening primetime, um, things were going well, and then cases went up like crazy. Uh, yeah. I think flu season had something to do with it, but uh, we went from like, uh, I think we're at 6% to like 17%, um, and then uh, a lot of it too, almost everything was open, indoor dining, like you name it. Um, so then we went back to like some tier three restrictions. So they closed indoor dining. Um, what else? Uh, they also had this list of states that you that, that they marked as like you cannot go to this state, or if you go to this state, you got to quarantine for 10, 14 days. Um, so they got really strict, and uh, then they closed down group fitness too here in Chicago for uh, during that time. Um, and then uh, and then cases went down again. And now we're back to um, going back to that 33% capacity. Recently, they just opened locker rooms back up, uh, group fitness is back up. But uh, from what I know, uh, California is not, they don't have the same fortune. Uh, I know you guys in New York, you guys don't have the same fortune where you can't have group fitness. And, um, yeah. and I know their states too are, uh, are, are suffering. I know Vancouver had, I think, a COVID breakout. They had to close down. Boston, too, they had to close down. Boston so, had to close down, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think uh, as a city, I think we're very fortunate here uh, where I'm at in Chicago. Very, very fortunate when I see what's happened around the country and around the world. What's interesting, uh, sorry, I'm going to call you off there real quick, but when you mentioned Vancouver and Boston, when I looked on the Equinox app, for example, when it came to uh, the summer, August, and if we take into consideration the London Equinox Club as well. Oh, right, right. Right, when it when it stated what the protocol was for coming back in the clubs, New York, and I, I want to say Chicago, I, depending on the state, but the region, but they said East Coast were some of the stricter ones where you had to wear masks all times, mm-hmm. whereas in the London clubs, you only had to wear a mask when you were getting to and from your station and you could take it off whilst you're working out. And then Vancouver, at least for up until more recently, you didn't have to wear a mask period at all in the club. And it's, or, or, there was no temperature check either. They wouldn't even really? Yeah. Wow. That's it's insane. Yeah. I mean, I'll be fair to say that if you, if you don't have any symptoms and it doesn't, the temperature doesn't prevent that. But I, I, I know what you're saying. It's about taking a little steps to be precaution uh to have the precautions but now i said there's a trainer i follow in the vancouver area and he's wearing a mask so i assume that that's changed and uh and then i think london has gone down into more lockdowns than yeah london London stuff has gone a lot it's a harder lockdown i hear not not to mention that jocks too uh yeah i remember when vancouver closed down equinox came out with uh the marketing team came out with a campaign uh, about wearing your mask and it was it was from the london equinox that the campaign came in oh i saw that yeah because in london yeah in gyms in london they were not wearing masks 
Mm-hmm. But uh, Ipanok said, you know, if you come to our gym, you're gonna, you have, to, you're gonna have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask. I yeah. thought that was, I thought that was really cool, just because, uh, you know, safe, uh, employee safety, member safety, like all of that is important. You know. Yeah, and, and it, sorry, yeah. I don't want to clear off. Sorry. I, I was just gonna say, and it's being a proven fact by professionals that it saves lives and limits limits the spread. Period. Yeah, and then something yeah. we've also spoken about. I, I feel we've spoken about this in. in previous episodes is it'll be interesting to see what the benefits of having worn a mask to work out have been right for uh i don't want to misspeak here but if you're again someone's gonna shred me but yeah i know he's gonna say some crazy shit <laughs> Some scientifically, but hey, making... but hey, no. if you look at it, what, I mean, what are the? It's what? How different is it from when people were wearing the altitude masks to do to get on the rower? I mean, I've, I've heard right? crazy like things. Back... Like, I've had, had someone say, like, dude, you're you're breathing carbon dioxide. That's poison. What? You don't breathe. What are you shit in, bro? No, you gotta. I, I would say check out that Mythbusters thing where it's like the dude sneezed. They took it like years mm-hmm. ago, but the dude sneezed and how far those little particles projected was a lot further than I thought it would project. It's like 10 yeah. feet. I could sneeze over here and 10 feet from me, somebody can get part right. of those particles. So um, I think well, the I mean, mass- that's, that's just it. It's like, it's just, it's just judge, be the judge just based on that. Right, right. At, at least until we right. figure out more stuff. Right. Yeah. No, but that's the thing. It's like, what, like with Tajak's point, like wondering what the effects are of working out with a mask. You could just ask yourself the same thing of what people were asking years ago about the altitude masks, right? And mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I don't know what how different they are, but I remember, you know, there was a time that I've, I was hearing stuff about like the altitude mask not doing anything. But I think CrossFit is one of the ones that really made it big because yeah, they're they're. Their athletes doing it, like doing the row work on the air on the air bike, doing all that stuff with the mask. What was uh let me uh piggyback on that point. Angel, what was the coach you mentioned that spoke about the art of coaching? What was his name again? Uh Brett Bartholomew, right? Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. So his episode on Squat University on the on the podcast, he talks about when people when people come up to him and they say, uh, I want to say it was him or Cressy. I'm sorry, I can't remember. It's one of those two. But they were when they were asked by clients or their athletes, oh, I want to wear a mask. And when he dug deeper and found out why, it was more, oh, I want to prove my cardiovascular performance. I want to prove my VO2 max. And without taking away what they wanted to do with that improvement, he would say, all right. But once he got that information from them, he wouldn't knock off their theory that the wearing the mask is going to help them. But what he would do is he would give them the tools or the exercises that would help them improve their VO2 max or their cardiovascular performance. And then if they want to wear it during active rest, put the mask on. Sure. So that was, that was their way of saying, Hey, we're going to give you what you want with what you need without knocking off. Oh, the mask is bullshit. The mask won't Mm -hmm. help you. Right. Because I, I have to recall, but it was, it was a smart way of, digging deeper with the client as to the reason why wear it, why they'd want to wear it. Very interesting. Very cool. You have to find out. Well, that's cool. That's, that's a great, that's a great topic too. It's like how, how does wearing a mask affect performance? Um, I, I always also think about like just being adaptable, you know, like uh, if, if I was to fly to Thailand, uh, 
tomorrow, uh, how long is it going to take for me to adapt to the change in time zone? It's probably, it's probably going to take me like weeks for me to adapt. Um, I, I think same things with a mask. It's like if you're not used to wearing a mask and exercising with a mask, it's probably going to be really hard. I, I know in July I was guilty, guilty. I, I did not wear my mask as much between March and July, and I had the hardest fucking time, uh, even doing a bicep curl with a mask on. It, it was hard. <laughs> I will say too, I mean, I, right now I'm doing, uh, I'm doing a higher volume block for my squats and stuff. Like I'm doing like four sets of 10 on my back squats. And when I, like September, when we first opened, doing sets of five with back squat, I was dead. Like just doing sets of five with a heavy weight. I just could the mask was horrible. But now doing four of 10, isn't that horrible? You know, like it's, I guess my body has probably adjusted to it a little bit. Ah. Also, maybe just the idea of it, like being on your, on your face. Yeah, it's not a, it's not, and it, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh alex for the first time came into equinox to work out i think two three weeks ago and it was the first time running with a mask ever yeah. and i forgot i, I she does the first observation was oh it's kind of hard wearing the mask and it, it, it is but uh, and then i spin i do some of the spin classes every week and the first two three weeks oh, this is shit i've got to get a bike at home and then i just got over and you get used to you get you it's like anything it's like- training response wise you build a tolerance you get used to it we're not, you know, and I think, and then this is for a different discussion, but then you can go into the um, details of what are the better masks for, for feeling like you can breathe better. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other thing, but then, you know, it's, there's, there's that too as well, but yeah. Well, Guillermo, what, what do you, what are your plans for like the next couple of years when it comes to your training career? Like, do you plan on, you know, expanding or do you like, what are your plans? That's a, that's a great question, uh, David. Um, um, I just want to, right now, like, if I was to set, like, say, uh, looking down, like, three, two, two, three years down the line, um, I'd like to, I'd like to expand my, expand my horizon of learning. Um, I definitely would like to do more uh, certifications, more workshops, uh, specifically as it pertains more to, uh, uh, anything that's movement based or anything that is um, that is coaching based. Um, so I, I know uh, pain-free performance has a re- has a really good certification coming here in Chicago. Um, I think it's February 27th. I actually just signed up for it today. Um, it, it's it's I feel like it's always good to, to learn you know how to coach better, new techniques. Um, I've, I've also, I also signed up for a few workshops with Nick Winkleman on external cueing. Um, speaking of performance, I, the, the, more, the more I read his books and, and the more I learn about external cueing, uh, the more I realize how much that can actually affect someone's performance uh, and movement pattern too, with, without really confusing the client, just keeping it simple. Um, uh, aside from that, I, I think, Professionally, I think a big, a big, a big must do mascot for me is just uh, public speaking too. So um, my goal is to set up for a few toast. Uh, what's it called toast? Toastmasters? Toastmasters? Yeah, Toastmasters. I've been. I I I've gone through a few in, in. I think it's been two years or so since the last time I did something like that. But I plan on doing that uh, this upcoming summer. So I've signed for a few workshops on that, as well as. Um, What's the other one? I'm blanking out. 
uh, I'm blanking out. Uh, oh, promptu, uh, like promptu uh, role plays. Um, there's uh, so here in Chicago, like the the theater scene is, is big, especially for for comedy. Yeah. It's a big big comedy, especially in the, I live in Old Town, and Old Town is full of comedy. Yeah, uh, you have places. the um, imp- improv class. They, like, there's a the Chicago has one of the biggest or one of the bigger like improv programs, right? I, I forgot the yes. name. Of it. Like, yes, um, I I'll tell you right now. I'm gonna improv uh, the one that I just signed signed up for. So many like comedians that are out now or have been from there. Like, uh, yes. I think so, Nick so Offerman I just signed one up in and, Second City. Second City uh-huh. is where Tina Fey got. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, you guys, yeah. you all know Tina Fey. Yeah. Um, yeah, she Shut started in, in Second City. That's yeah. uh, that's that's where I signed up. So I live about a block away from Second City, and um, and I, that's gonna be really scary for me. Like I'm gonna go can you, with me doing stand up comedy. Like I'm gonna I give it a shot. Have to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> make sure I, no I was support. always told to do stand up. You know, you, like, you, you, yeah, but I, I I told them that I rather sit. <laughs> There you go. Uh, that's a good opening line. That's, that's, that's a, a good, good opening line. line. I love it. Angel okay. hates me. Angel's like, fuck you, dude. Angel's <laughs> <laughs> like, again, with the bad jokes. But, uh, but yeah, like, I think I, I just want to get a little more uncomfortable in this next two years and just explore things that I haven't done before, um, both personally and, um, and, and uh, professionally. Uh, personally, uh, I'm, I've been dying to learn how to play the drums. As stupid as it sounds, it's something I wanted to do since I was a little okay, kid. Do it, yeah. But I never did it. So much and, fun, though. And now I, I want to buy a drum set after watching Step Brothers. Oh and... no! I know you touched my drumstick. <laughs> Touch my drumstick. Why so sweaty? <laughs> Watch the cops. Uh, no cops no, after four. I, I used I used last year and the pandemic to because I started playing guitar too. So I, I used oh, that. That's as, awesome. Yeah, to like get it on. It's 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 a good like hobby, you know. Yeah, it's it, absolutely, and and you know, music is something I've been passionate about too. So another one of my passions. I'm just not, I'm just not talented, but I'll give it a shot. There you go. <laughs> cool, man. Th- thanks for joining us. We want to respect your time. We don't want to take too much of it, but well, thanks for joining us for this episode. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been awesome catching up with you guys. I hope we get to do this more often, and um. When all this shit's over, hopefully all four of us can get drunk. And yeah, s- I would love to. How? Yeah. Wait, what's the name of that bar? Amsterdam uh, House. Amsterdam House. Boom. How's the How's the outdoor dining in Chicago? By the way, we need to go to Chicago. Outdoor yeah. dining, food. Outdoor dining in Chicago is a bomb. It's, yeah. There's something Chicagoans do a good job of. It's fucking it. People know food. It's cold as fuck though. Yeah, it is. It's. <laughs> I'm I'm not too happy about the wind, but but yeah. Windy city. It, it, Cool. Okay. Winter's almost over. So, yeah. All right, Guillermo. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you for having me, guys. Talk to you guys soon. It's been, it's been, it's been a blast. Take care. Bye, thank man. you. Thanks, Bye. Guillermo. Talk to you soon. So, we'll, uh, we'll link in Guillermo's Instagram um, as well. Uh, I believe Guillermo, G Dominguez. We'll, we'll, we'll link it in. Uh, but he, that was a great conversation with him. He obviously had a few things going on before, but hey, we got him on. It was a good laugh. Yeah, and it was a it was a great episode. I got to touch base on a couple of things. So um, let's do uh, let's wrap this up because I know everybody's got stuff to do today. We got a lot of clients to train, got some business to get through. Oh, yeah. Right, David? Hustle, hustle, hustle. No, nope, right. I'm free on the afternoon. I'm gonna fuck.
See, got to shave it in Warzone. Uh, I don't know if I'll play today, but I got to go work out. All right. Well, <laughs> you guys so, go have fun with your clients and your business. Well, make sure to like, subscribe, follow at DB Trainer, DB, DB Bravo. I don't, even know, I don't even know my coach, coach, coach Bravo, Bravo, Coach Bravo underscore trainer, right? We do this every week. <laughs> yeah, when I re- listen to this, I'm thinking. Listen, it was it was the one you said, but you guys made me change it. So, all right, well, <laughs> follow that one. Follow that handle. Find <laughs> it and then follow it. Just, just uh, look me up. You guys will be fine. Later, guys. All right, all right guys, bye. take it easy.